It is 745 on a Saturday, which means it's time for another wine chat with our friend Jack Farrell from Haskell's. Jack, it seems, you know, the movie Groundhog Day, it seems like every time you and I talk, it's still winter. <laughs> yes, by a, by a very large margin. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, what, what can we warm up with a chat today? Well, you know, I had, was out for dinner on Tuesday night, and we ordered a Rioja from dinner for dinner. Rioja's a... a wine-producing area of Spain, and one of the people said, I've never had a bottle of red wine I've liked as well as this. Well, that brought to mind, you know, how Spanish wines are sort of overlooked, and that really shouldn't be, because after all, Spain has the largest surface area of vineyards of anybody in the world, even though they're the third state. country in production. Italy's number one, France is number two, Spain is number three. But one of the reasons for that, and they've got over three million acres of vineyards planted in France, but or in Spain. But a lot of those vines are separated uh and aren't as close together as we see them in California or for that matter even in Minnesota. Uh, because the soil isn't that rich, so they grant each vine a little more space to grow to take nutrients from the soil. They've had a wonderful tradition of producing wines in Spain. In fact, it is rivaled with the Mideast in finding the oldest evidence of wine producing over 3000 B.C. When uh, Spanish wine really came into its own uh, with the Carthaginians, a long, long time ago, and they commented on how good the wine was, and that was continued on by the Romans, who uh, actually shipped Spanish wine into Gaul, which would have been France, uh, at the early part of the uh, Roman Empire, as they were expanding vineyards throughout France and Germany, the Romans were, but they still brought in a lot of wine from Spain. And the reason is Spain, at that time and today, produces some remarkably inexpensive and very table-worthy wines to drink, and a large variety. Um, You know, the history of Spain is really interesting, because uh, they've played a major role in so many things. For example... It was uh, monks from Spain who really set up the original missions in California and planted vineyards there because they needed them for religious purposes and also to make some wine to drink. So the the Franciscan Father Junipero Serra went up and down California and established all the missions, starting with uh, Los Angeles and ending up at the top with Sacramento, all incidentally. Uh, religious names, Los Angeles, the Angels, Sacramento, the Sacrament, etc. And that was Father Junipero Serra did that so long ago. So we owe the Spanish a big round of thanks for that. Spanish wine, as I said, is most interesting. And as the New World colonized, the Spanish friars and brothers exported wine types all to the New World and were responsible for viticulture basically in both of the Americas, North America and South America. Now, it was also very popular in medieval times at the English court. Henry VIII, after all, was married to a Spanish princess, Catherine of Aragon, and the wines of that area were very popular. Wine was 
very popular at the time, a Shakespeare called Sack. And Sack was nothing more than Sherry, but that's the English name for it. And today uh, you still hear people in England ask for a glass of Sack, which is a, a wonderful fortified wine down from Jerez de la Frontera, uh, Jerez on the frontier, and gets the name Jerez. Sherry comes from that name. But uh, so the Spanish played a major, major role in doing all that stuff. Uh, they were slow on the uptake uh, because of the Spanish Civil War, etc. You know, Spanish wineries, per se, didn't really begin on a strong foothold until the 50s, where they began to import technology, etc. And, of course, the great phylloxera epidemic, now sometime we should talk about that, that was a root louse that was brought from the United States to Europe, a kind of an aphid form, and attacked the roots of grapevines, and it decimated the vines all over uh, Europe, in Germany, and all over France, etc., uh, even places as far as Hungary, the, the vineyards were just decimated. This was slow to attack uh, the Spanish wines because of the uh, Pyrenees uh, kept them out on one end, and the uh, Spanish weren't into experimenting, bringing in it, vine cuttings from other parts of the world. And so it came late, uh, the phylloxera epidemic, to Spain. And the biggest wine-producing area of Spain for the good table wines, in my opinion, is Rioja. I love Riojas. It's the wine we had the other night that brought on this whole conversation. And I can remember back in the early 70s when I used to have wine tastings of good claret, or that is Bordeaux, and I'd finish up the evening with a uh, mass bottle of wine. And probably seven times out of ten, it would be a Rioja. And everybody said, why did you just save the best Bordeaux till last? Well, it really wasn't the best Bordeaux. It was the wine from the Rioja region uh, in Spain, which is up near the French uh, border and the foothills of the Pyrenees. And Rioja uh, was really uh, discovered, and the style of wine that they make today was done by the French. The French came after the phylloxera epidemic into Rioja and brought their French winemaking techniques, aging in oak barrels, etc. The Spanish always aged them in big concrete vats, etc. So the Rioja is really a wine that was uh, started by the French and then continued and has a Spanish flair to it now. And it's a wonderful wine. You, you look at a bottle of Rioja and you get... Crianza, that means it's been aged one year in an oak barrel. Uh, if you have a Reserva, it's aged at least one year in an oak barrel and two years in the bottle. And then Grand Reserva is two years in oak and a minimum three years in the bottle. So those are things that you can look for with the wines of Rioja. And they're still very inexpensive. While you might pay hundreds, no, maybe even thousand dollars for a bottle of very good claret or bordeaux uh, you can get a very good rioja for thirty dollars that really or forty dollars which would be a top grand reserva that would rival these red wines uh for quality and like i say as far as i was concerned it was always rather impressive to pull out a bottle of wine no one knew what it was and we just tasted some fabulous claret bordeaux's 
and all of a sudden we're drinking a Rioja, and everybody's saying you save the best Bordeaux to last. Well, it's just that it's a comparable wine. It isn't as expensive, and uh, it's certainly very age-worthy. Of course, uh, Spain has a lot of wine-producing areas. I mean, it's a big country, and uh, it has the largest production of sparkling wine outside of Champagne in the entire world. The uh, Spanish call their sparkling wines cava, and the cavas are made a little south of uh, Barcelona. And the largest wine cellar in the world, it actually has a train running through it, is in one of the cava houses in Spain there. And if you're looking for a modestly priced sparkling wine to please a lot of people, look no further than cava. Uh, It's hard to find a cava that's over $20 a bottle. Most of them are around the $10 mark, $12 mark. And they're wonderful sparkling wines, particularly good for receptions. Or if you're going to mix sparkling wine with, say, cranberry juice or orange juice for a mimosa, uh, cabins are uh, absolutely terrific for that because the wine's inexpensive and and it's very, actually, quite good. so the, the grape varieties of Spain are kind of interesting, too. Uh, the two biggest red ones are Tempranillo and uh, Grenache. Grenache, of course, is the famous Grenache grape that makes the Rhone wine so good. And Tempranillo is strictly a Spanish wine unto itself. And you can buy a very inexpensive little Tempranillo like El Jamon for about $8 a bottle. That Jamon is J-A-M-O-N for about $8 a bottle, and you can see how good uh, Tempranillo can be. For white wines, uh, Spanish always had a problem with oxidation with their white wines. In other words, with oxidation, the wines have become a little oxidized, and uh, they call it madurized, Madeira-like. You know, it's not a pleasant thing. But that was the Spanish white wines. Then I was in Galitica. Galitica is that narrow strip of Spain that runs above Portugal and along the Atlantic Ocean. And the climate there is often likened to Ireland. That's where all the cod fishermen go that fished the Outer Banks 500 years ago in Spain. And the best wine from Galitica is Alberino. And Alberino is a grape type, and it's a white wine. And it certainly is worth trying. It was really, in my experience, the first non-matterized Spanish white wine I'd ever had. And like I say, this is a long time ago, 40 years or so. But it was a, a wonderful experience to discover this wonderfully crisp, unusual white wine coming from Spain. So look for Alberino. You won't be disappointed. Another great area from Spain, of course, is Sherry. And Sherry is an underestimated wine. Uh, it, it, it can be so good with so many things. Mazania sherry uh, is along the seacoast, and it tastes a little salty. It's really wonderful, in my opinion, uh, to have that with, say, shrimp. Uh, it, uh, imagine that, a sherry, but you serve it ice cold and you have it with shrimp. It's really pretty good. And the British are on to something with their afternoon tea time with a little glass of sherry. Sherry's can be an absolute delight. Amontillado is another one made famous by the poem, The Cask of Amontillado. And, of course, then there's cream sherry and Oloroso, which is another sweet sherry. Just delicious types of wine. Sherry's are, of course, fortified wine. They're about 18% alcohol. And... uh, 
you only have a little bit of them when you have them with uh, any kind of food. They're really meant more as an aperitif than anything else. And as we talked about port a few weeks ago, uh, sherry was also created for the English market. Uh, sherries didn't really become very popular in Spain until they'd been around England for several hundred years already, and then they became popular there. And I'll never forget going to the Jerez de la Frontera, the great sherry festival, uh, many, many years ago, and traveling down the street in the carriage that Lincoln had uh, ridden in to his inauguration, uh, they pulled out all the stops, the haciendas down in Jerez, or thousands of acres, each one of them, and we were at a big dinner one night for 500 people, and I asked our hostess who the caterer was, she looked at me like I'd grown another head caterer, <laughs> this is all our staff, <laughs> so those people in Jerez de la Frontera really know how to live. It's a very exciting lifestyle, and Sherry, the manufacturer of, is so interesting, and as I said, it deserves a, a show of its own to just talk about all the wonderful Sherries there are. But it's a great place to visit, and if you ever happen to be in Spain, don't miss Jerez de la Frontera. After all, the port down there, Puerto Santa Maria, is where Columbus originally set uh -huh. sail for the colonies from. Right. Well, a lot of great ideas as usual, Jack, and any suggestions, you just stop by any Haskells, and those good folks will help you out immensely. Exactly. Whether you want Spanish wine or Italian or French or something more exotic, just stop in and see the folks at Haskells. They can't cook the dinner, but they can make the dinner very special by picking the perfect wine to go with whatever you're going to prepare. And best of all, they're going to help you pick a wine that doesn't cost very much. It won't break the bank. There's a Haskells near you where you can save big dollars on wine. There's a Haskells in Bloomington, Haskells down in Fairbowl, right off of 35. Our Maple Grove Supercellar is not to be missed. Minneapolis has free parking both on Saturday and Sunday on the weekends. Minnetonka's Ridgedale is a wonderful place to visit. Haskell's in Plymouth, St. Paul, Stillwater, White Bear Lake, and Woodbury. And if you can't come into Haskell's, go to Haskell's.com or go to WCCO.com slash wine. It'll take you right to the Haskell's website where you can peruse the wines of the world. And don't forget, Haskell's does deliver. Fantastic. Jack, let's talk one week from today, if you can. Eddie, I'm going to look forward to it. Thank you, Jack Farrell from Haskell's.